letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. Now in chapter 2, Paul goes back and he elaborates on some key ideas from the poem in chapter 1, especially God's grace and this new multi-ethnic family of Jesus. He begins by retelling the story of how these non-Jewish Christians came to know Jesus. Before hearing about Jesus, they were physically alive, but they were spiritually dead. They were trapped in a purposeless life of selfishness and sin, and they were deceived by dark spiritual forces of evil. But amazingly, God in his great love and mercy saved them, he forgave all of their sins, and he joined their lives to Jesus' resurrection life, and he's brought them back to life too. And so now, having been created as new human beings through Jesus, they have the joy of discovering all of the new calling and purposes and tasks that God has set before them. Not only have they been shown God's grace, they've also been invited into a new family. Before hearing about Jesus, these non-Jewish people, they were not just cut off from God, they were cut off from his covenant people, the family of Abraham. And for a really practical reason, the commands of the Sinai covenant, they formed like a boundary line around the family. They were like a barrier that kept most non-Jewish people away. But in Jesus, the laws of the Torah have been fulfilled and the barrier is removed. The two ethnic groups have become, as Paul puts it, a new unified humanity that can live together in peace. So Paul goes on in chapter 3 to marvel at the unique role that he got to have in spreading this good news to non-Jewish people. And even though he's in prison, he's thanking God for the chance he's had to see this covenant family grow so huge. So Paul closes the first half of the letter with another prayer. This time, he prays that Jesus' followers would be strengthened by God's Spirit to simply grasp and comprehend the love that Christ has for his people. Grab your Bibles. You know the drill. If you're visiting, something we do every week is put our Bibles over our head and ask God to um, pour His Spirit into us as we open His Word. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Word. We know that it is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. We do know know that it opens uh, our hearts, our very souls up, down to the bone and the marrow, that you deposit great things in us, and that we believe that as we study your word, that we will uh, bear fruit according to righteousness, which is your desire for us. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're actually going to be in chapter 2 and 3. And I love this breakdown that we just saw in the video. But in chapter 3, he actually is kind of giving some shape to what he just said in chapter 2. And so what I want to do is begin tonight by looking at chapter 3. Um, one of the things I really liked about this video is that it broke down um, somewhat of a, a, a what can be considered a, a difficult concept. You know, most people will read this little section the tail end of chapter 2, first part of chapter 3, or really all of chapter 3, and they might be tempted to skip over it because they're like, you know, the content's like, uh, what's Paul talking about? Or maybe they understand what he's talking about, but for some reason they think that it doesn't have any kind of personal application because we like 
personal application. And so, um, or it could just be that somebody's reading and as soon as they hit the word circumcision, they're like, oh no, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. You know what I mean? So, um, but it, it truly is a section of scripture that most Christians will look over. But Paul writes it for a reason. It's actually very important. There's something that he wants every believer, every Christian uh, to know. And that is this. And this is going to be my sermon in a sentence tonight. You can write this down. This is what Paul wants everyone to know. The peace of God has the power to pull down walls. The synopsis is the peace of God has the power to pull down walls. And I want to go ahead and give you the title of this sermon as well. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be called Connected, and you're going to see why closer towards the end. Um, let's just start reading. In chapter 3, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Okay, everybody look up it real, real, real quick. Super important for you to pay attention to the details in this, okay? Again, he laid out something in chapter 2. He's going to bring it home, Okay. In chapter 3. So pay attention to these details, and I'll try to refer to as later as much as I can. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which has been given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, When you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And and really what he's saying right there is I'm writing this so that you will always be able to refer back to this. Again, it's important. He really wants people to get this. Um, By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ." And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation. We're going to stop right here, but look at this closing, this kind of a closing section here. I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation on your behalf, for they are your glory. Okay, did you notice how many times he said the mystery? Three times he said the mystery. Once he said the mystery, then he said the mystery of Christ. And then again, he referred to what he's talking about as the mystery. And specifically, he said, and that's what he says, to be specific, this is what I'm talking about. Look at verse 6. That the Gentiles, this is the mystery, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ 
through the gospel. Okay, and if you look back at verse 5, it says this whole concept is just now being revealed. Paul even says that his unique calling upon the earth is to make this mystery, this concept, known to the church, but specifically to the Gentiles. You may have heard before that, that Peter's uh, ministry was to the Jews and that Paul's was to the Gentiles. Well, that's, that's essentially what he's saying right here. Um, Paul was writing this letter in prison to him. The reason, we're going to come back to it in a minute, but the reason that he was in prison was totally worth it. He was fighting for this issue. Okay, so let's talk about the issue. Let's dive into the issue. Let's talk about the mystery in Christ. He says it three times, points out this thing. And so what I want to do is give you a super simple version of what is really somewhat of a complicated topic. In fact, you think about what Paul is saying here. He calls it the mystery. Okay, this idea that the Gentiles now have become partakers of the promise that was given to the Jews. Okay, now think about this. He's calling this a mystery. Think about how many years the Jews and the Gentiles have kind of been like this. They have been um, at each other. Okay, this to him, the fact that Gentiles are able to be partakers of this covenant. That they are in this blessing that goes all the way back to Abraham. Everybody's kind of like, what? Not just the Jewish people. Like, hey, they can't come in here. Even the Gentiles are like, we can come in there. You know what I mean? It was totally a mystery to everyone involved. And so um, let's look at that mystery. The first thing you got to know to understand this mystery is the rift. Write that down, the rift. How many of you know what a rift is? By definition, a rift is a crack, split, or break in something. Okay, a serious, and, and as it relates to relationships, it is a serious break in friendly relationships. How many of you have ever, ever heard someone say, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on in, in between them. There's like some sort of rift there. You guys ever heard that? Um, it's just a term. So I'm, I'm using that because there has been a rift <laughs> between the Jews and the Gentiles really going all the way back to Abraham. The rift is this. God of all the nations upon the earth came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you, your people, a very special nation. I'm going to bless you and I am going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. Uh, You are going to be a blessing to all the nations. Uh, Everyone who blesses you is going to be blessed. Everyone who curses you is going to be cursed. I mean, this is like, this is like a big deal. Abraham's like, really? Little old me? He's like, it's not really about you, Abraham. I'm pushing go on my redemptive plan of salvation for mankind. It's not really about you, but I am choosing you. And as soon as he chose Abraham, he begins blessing him. And you, walk, you look down the line of history and you see how blessed they were. And there were some rough years. But you see how blessed they were. And they knew it. And all the nations surrounding them knew how blessed they were. And because of that, two things happened. On the Jews' side, they started becoming arrogant. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, well... I'm a Jewish guy. You know, they started becoming arrogant. They started becoming boastful, prideful in who they were. Okay? And uh, and then the uh, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, they couldn't stand it. Okay, these people are blessed. Anybody who doesn't bless them gets cursed. Everybody who does bless them gets blessed. And they totally recognized that the Jewish people were special. And there was a rift there. The Jewish people looked at the Gentiles. In fact, look at Ephesians 2 verse 11. Look what it says. This is part of the rift here. 
Therefore, remember that you, the Gentiles in the flesh, okay, remember he's writing to the Ephesians. By the way, Ephesus was one of the most worldly, full of Gentile places that there were. And so he's writing to a specific group of people from a specific area that had found Christ. Okay, and he's talking to them and he says, remember that you, formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. Okay, you can see the rift right there. Those aren't like pleasant descriptions. Those aren't pleasant terms. The Jewish people refer to themselves as we are the circumcised. We are the people of God. Circumcision was a sign that they belonged to God. And so they, for them, that was a boasting. Yeah, we're the circumcised. And to call the Gentiles the uncircumcised was like saying these jerks, these outcasts, these left behinders, you know. So to call them uncircumcised. And then the Gentiles would call them the circumcised. So when the Gentiles called the Jews the circumcised, it wasn't like, bless you, you circumcised. I know I keep saying that word a lot. Sorry. But you have to understand this is part of the rift. He's, he's saying even right here that you, you guys hate each other. Look what he says. You Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision. He says the so-called because even there are even people of Israel, the Jewish people at that time, that would say they're part of God's chosen people, but they weren't serving God at all. They're the circumcised, but not really, not in their heart. You guys hear what I'm saying? And he says, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. And so again, um, that rift there. You guys remember when David went out to battle with, uh, with Goliath? Do you remember what he said? They're all out at war. They're all shaking in their boots. David walks up, a little teenage boy with a you know, sling in his slingshot. What's going on, guys? And then he hears this big giant out there blaspheming God. He's like, whoa, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I mean, he was ticked. He wasn't like, oh, I noticed that he wasn't circumcised. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is defying our God? Again, it was a derogatory term. There was a rift there between the Jews and then Gentiles. And then Paul says that, and then he jumps in. Look at verse 12. He just jumps in. He said, you need to remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. He's like, dude, you just weren't near God. The Jewish people were God's chosen. You weren't. They were a part of his blessings, and you weren't. At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's tough to hear. And that's what the Gentiles had been hearing forever. You are strangers and aliens to the covenants that go all the way back to Abraham, the covenants of Israel. You're not blessed. What did he say? He said, you guys were, you had no hope and you were without God in the world. And that's how the Jews saw the Gentiles and that's what the Gentiles knew the Jews thought of them. Can you guys see that rift? I want to explain a word to you really quick. He says, you were excluded from the common wealth of Israel. The commonwealth, and you can write this in your Bible if you like to take notes, just write that in on the side. When he says the commonwealth, what, it, what that is is a term or a description for the blessings and the promise, again, that belonged to Israel through the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham forever ago. He says, 
you were without hope, without God in this world. You were excluded, separated at that time. And tell you what, let's pause there because there's something that I want you to see in another place that, that gives a little bit more weight to the rift. Look at Romans 11 if you can turn there. And there's a lot of scripture. It's hard not to read these. But in Romans chapter 11, you can just kind of flip on over. Romans chapter 11. It's a great, great uh, chapter to study while you're studying Romans chapter 2 and 3. I mean, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. He says in verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off. Okay, now this is, this is almost another topic, but it's reinforcing the rift. If some of the branches were broken off, the branches are Israel. Okay, Paul's talking to another Gentile city, primarily Gentile church. He says, but if some of the branches, Israel, were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Again, there's a lot going on here. But if, you, if some of the branches, Israel, were broken off, because we know that in history, Israel became disobedient to God. They started breaking the covenant. We know that there were seasons when they were held in captivity. And right around the time of Christ, they, they didn't receive Jesus as their Messiah. And because of that, what God did is he said, okay, I'm going to push pause on you, and I'm going to focus on the Gentiles that's when he says some of the branches were broken off. That's, that's what he's saying. And he says, and you, he said, you were grafted in among them and you now become partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree. And you can write this down by that term. The olive tree, the rich root of the olive tree is the commonwealth. He's saying you have become partakers of this blessing. Okay. And then in verse 18, he says, do not be arrogant towards the branches. He's talking to Gentiles who have now been um, partakers of the blessings. He says, do not be arrogant towards the Jewish people. What had happened was <laughs> Gentiles got in their head and in their heart, theologically, that God was completely done with Israel. They disobeyed. God's done with them. We are now God's people. We are the church. The, the theological term for that would be replacement theology. That God has um, replaced Israel with the church. But that's not what's happening here. Okay? Now you could see because of the rift why Gentiles would jump all over that, right? You guys hear what I'm saying? You would see, well, yeah, God's done with them. You know, those who still had that thing in their heart, that rift in their heart. He says, do not be arrogant towards the branches. Gentiles, don't be arrogant towards Israel. If you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. And what he's saying is, you have been grafted into their blessing. Their blessing is what is supporting you. You are blessed. You are protected. You are provided for. But that originated with Israel, and God's not done with them. In fact, let's keep reading. You will say, Branches were broken off so that I, Gentiles, branches, Israel was broken off so that I, Gentiles, might be grafted in. And you're quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. You're right. He's saying you're right about that. But do not be conceited, but fear. Now listen. For if God did not spare 
the natural branches. In other words, if he, if he uh, dealt with them in a manner of discipline, well, he will not spare you either. In other words, he's going to discipline you. Behold the kindness and the severity of God. To those who fell, severity. But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they, Israel, do not continue in their unbelief. Now listen, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Guys, and this is, there's somewhat of a whole other sermon in there. But just let me say this. God's not done with Israel. There is a rift that is still going. Maybe I'll spend a little more time on this point. But there is a rift that is still out there between Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and Israel, the Jewish people. There's this, there's this thing in our hearts, and maybe not in this room so much because we're a very pro-Israel, we love Israel, we love the Jewish people, but they're out there there's this rift that says God is done with the Jews, but he's not done with the Jews. Did you hear what Paul just said? He said, um, what did he say? <laughs> I lost my place. Oh, yeah. So, and they also, if they, Israel, do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted, again, uh, grafted in. In other words, if they will believe in Messiah, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. And if you read in Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah 33, um, and lots more places, but Jeremiah specializes in this restoration of Israel. God is going to restore them Big topic. Then look at 24. If you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? The point that he's trying to make is God's not done with Israel. There's this rift in your heart. He's talking to the Romans here. There's this rift in your heart. In another place, he says, is God done with Israel? By no means. And then look what he says. Um, For I do not want you brothers to be uninformed of this. Check it out. Mystery. So even here, he's calling this whole thing that God has done this. What are you saying that he's not done with Israel? You're saying that we've become partakers with them? You're saying that we're joined together in this whole blessing? No, man, it's got to be one or the other. It's either them or us. And it's been that way all the way since Abraham. You guys see that? And there's this rift there. And Paul's like, no, this is the mystery. I don't want you brothers to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. Can I just say this? That there's people even today that are wise in their own estimation that we can just write off Israel. Anytime you see Israel in the Bible, replace them with the church. Old Testament and new. And that's just not true. That's just not true. He says, a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Again, a vast topic. My point is that there is a rift there. And there's a thing called replacement theology that stems from that rift. But what Paul is saying is that this is all changed. Remember what he said right here? The mystery is, to be specific, that Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through 
the gospel. This is the mystery. Okay, so that's part one of the mystery. There is a rift there. There was a rift there. Even in the church, that was a a primarily Gentile church there in Ephesus. And he's wanting them to know, listen, don't get cocky. Okay? And in in Rome as well. The second thing is that you would want to uh, know is that there was a resolution. So let's talk about the resolution. If you look back in verse 3, Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, 13, in Ephesians 2. So there was a rift. There was this divide. There was this wall that was there. But now, in Christ Jesus, there's the resolution right there. If we didn't read anything else, we're done. Right? How many of you would say, well, this is who I was, but then Christ Jesus. Raise your hand if that's your testimony. Well, this is who I was. How many of you be willing to share who you was, were? And we got any takers? We should have plenty of takers because what Christ has done is so trans formationally awesome. (laughs) Another place Paul says, hey, always be willing to give an account of the hope that's in you. But now in Christ Jesus, you, listen, the Gentiles, who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Now, I wish I had time to expound on the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to because we talk about the blood of Jesus all the time. We will talk about it a little bit more when we take communion tonight. But if you've been here a while or you are planning to be here a while, you're going to hear plenty about the blood of Jesus. Amen? There's no forgiveness for sins without it. Then he says in verse 14, Ephesians 2, 14, For he himself is our peace and made both groups. What are the groups, class? Jew and Gentile. He himself is our peace and made both groups into one. That would be called the what? The church, the body of Christ. And it says that he broke down the barriers of the dividing walls. Now, if you were here last week, you heard me talk about that a little bit. That God takes sledgehammers, tears down the old walls for the purpose of building us up with something new. Go back and listen. He himself is our peace who made both groups into the one. There's no Jew or Gentile anymore. It's one. It's the church. He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. And here's how he did it. By abolishing in his own flesh. (laughs) It's interesting. One was called the circumcision and the other was called the uncircumcision. Right? And earlier, if you remember, he referenced, hey, that's all stuff done with human hands. But here he says abolishing this wall, tearing down this wall, making the two into one by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the division, the strife, the rift, if you will, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two, Jew and Gentile, into one new man, thus establishing peace. Everyone say peace. Oh, like, like you actually care. Yeah, yeah, we care about peace. And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by, having, uh, by it having put to death the enmity. Okay, so the resolution is Jesus shows up on the scene and him dying, his flesh being torn, him being crucified, him shedding his blood, everything that he was. Yes, it bought our salvation. 
Yes, um, it did so many things. It changed her life. It reconciled us back to God. But one of the things that he did, Paul's saying, you got to get this church, is that he broke down, tore down, busted down the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. Why would he spend so much time on this? Because it's huge. He is wanting a united church. And Paul says the one thing that you could probably watch out all the time is the rift between Jew and Gentile. And he said it, he was so intense about it that he brings it in there. Um, He says, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Something you may or may not know is that in the Jewish temple worship, this is going back to the rift, but in the Jewish temple worship, you know, there's this progression. They would go in and they would go further into the Holy of Holies. There was actually what they would call the court of the Gentiles. Because it was a place where the Gentiles, is really close to the temple. It was a place where the Gentiles could hang out, but they couldn't go any further. And guess what separated it? A big wall, you know. It's like, I've heard something recently about big walls. What is it? Sounds familiar. Okay. It was, and, and it was literally a wall of separation. In fact, some refer to it as the wall of, of separation. And Paul's saying, hey, the wall of separation, though it may not be torn down in the temple, it has been torn down in the spirit. You guys see that? There was literally a wall of separation. And let me just tell you this. Remember how he said, don't worry about me in my tri- tribulation. Remember how he said, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm in change right now because of you. Because of who? Because of Gentiles. What he's saying right there, and if you look back at uh, Acts chapter 21, Paul was falsely accused of bringing Gentiles past the walls of separation. I think it was Trophimus, if you read it. Okay, so he was literally in prison because he was falsely accused of bringing Gentiles. Think about how he started chapter 3. For this reason, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. Why was he in prison? Because of his, he was accused of bringing a Gentile somewhere they should not have been. He was accused for breaching the rift. Do you guys see that? And basically what he says at the end, he says, hey, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation. Don't be sad, dude. I'm doing this for you. I'm try- I, I will stand somewhere and I will, I will fight so that people will know God has broken down the walls of separation. You, this is huge. This is what has happened in Christ. And of course, uh, Paul always keeps Christ at the center of it. He said, Christ, he himself is our peace. And through him, there are no walls of separation, which is our sermon in a sentence, right? The peace of God has the power to pull down walls. Okay, so get that, the rift. The rift was the division between Jew and Gentile. This is a big deal. And you'll see why in just a second. The resolution is that Jesus came to tear down those walls. There is no division between Jew and Gentile. Now I want you to think about this. What are the results? That's the third thing, the results. If you look at verse 17, check out the results. It says that he came and preached peace to you. He's talking about Jesus. He came and he preached peace to you. Look. To you who were far away, who is that? The Gentiles. But also peace to those who were near. The reality is, whether they were Jew 
or they were Gentile, they needed the peace of God, didn't they? He came to preach peace to the Gentiles, but also to the Jews. Well, but they were God's chosen people, and they needed God. They needed Messiah. The reason they were broken off from the olive branches, why? Because they rejected Messiah. So Jesus said, okay, Gentiles, how about you? And the season in history, everybody look at me. The season of history that we are in could be called the season of the Gentiles. Some would call it the church age, but along with that, they will also say this is not about Jews anymore. No, the reality is, is the church is about Jews and Gentiles. Anybody who would put their faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentiles, they come into, they believe in Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. They put their faith in him. And now whether they're Jew or Gentiles, they are molded into one new man, the church. That's, and so you can call this the church age, but when you do it, make sure you're not excluding Israel. Does that make sense? Because you can be Jewish and love Jesus. True or false? Okay. So he came to preach peace to both of you. Verse 18 says, For through him we both have our access in one spirit. Well, no, there's a, there's a Jewish spirit and then there's a Gentile spirit. That's the way that works. Because they can't go. No, that's the mystery. You guys see that? For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Look at verse 19. This is chapter 2, verse 19. So then you, and here's some results here. You are no longer strangers and aliens. You remember the wall? Did you guys see the wall that was in that little video? That's what the Gentiles had felt for years. Now listen, God's the one that set it up. You know, he's the one that set that up. He chose Israel. Why? I want a nation that will be a light to all the nation. God did that. We can't be mad at him for it. Right? He says, you are no longer those strangers and aliens, though. That rift is gone. Dude, that blows my mind. Yeah, it's a mystery. You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You talking about Adonai, Jehovah, the Jewish God? Yeah, the one that has like pillars of fires and breaks walls down and does crazy stuff? Yes. Really? Yes. How? It's a mystery. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We'll talk about that a little bit more in chapter 4. Uh, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also, who? Gentiles. You also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Referring back to verse six of chapter three to be specific that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ. Now, why would Paul take the time to go into all that? Remember I said, it's like, whoa, what is all this? Let's just skip over this. What does this have to do with us? Everything. Because the peace of God has the power to pull down walls. You may be here and you're Jewish or you may be here and you're Gentile, which is probably most of us, right? And you might feel that rift. Probably not the case here. But how many of you have some sort of wall of division in your life? 
even relational walls. I used to be close to my, my parents, but then this happened and, and we're not. Yeah, me and my sister used to be close. Think about, think about the, the rift that you may have in your life or multiple rifts that you have in your life. Did you know that the same God who would take the most difficult mystery that existed and solve it in Christ. I mean, how do, you, how do you blow everybody's mind by bringing the two that just could not coexist? They're all circumcision. Well, the uncircumcision. Well, you're this, right? And make them into one new unified man. The same God who has the power to do that can break down the walls of separation in your own life. You know, a lot of the separation that the Gentiles felt that they were missing out on is a lot. It was just it was physical stuff. Again, the protection, the provision. It's like, oh man, the Jewish people were they got it all, man. Physical things. I've never been led by a pillar of fire, you know. None of our people ever fell into a lion's den and lived to tell about it. Think about the stories. Think of things, the things that they've heard, you guys. You guys with me? I mean, can't we just start recounting all of the stories? It's like, whoa. But that's not even the stuff that Paul's talking about. He's like, that's physical stuff. I'm, I'm talking about what has happened in the spiritual. You are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer far away from God without hope in the world. You've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Those walls have been torn down. Again, this is spiritual. Some of you may feel like there is a wall of separation between you and God, whether you're Jewish or Gentile. That's the main thing that you, that you feel, is that separation between you and God. Can I tell you, that's been, there's no walls of separation. He, he's torn down everything. There is access to him. There's nothing anywhere that says, you can't make it to God. In my opinion. So on that level, but then also, what's what's the wall of separation that you're experiencing right now? Maybe you're really grieved over a relationship that you just, there's just that breach. What did we say that definition was? Let me just read it the way. A crack, a split, a break in something, a serious break in friendly relationships. And you've kind of gotten comfortable with it. It's been that way for so long. Yeah, that's just the way it is. That's the way the Jews thought. That's the way the Gentiles thought. But God, uh, Paul's saying, you don't have to think that way about anything. The walls of separation. There is no court of Gentiles and court for the Jews anymore in Christ. It's all one. And I just felt like, you know, you think about one, one whole piece. Another way of saying that is that God... There is nothing to keep us from wholeness, from healing, from restoration, from being everything that God wants. There's just nothing. We're going to take communion. And my thought is, while we're taking communion tonight, focus in on the sermon in a sentence. That the peace of God has the power to pull down walls. Let's stand.